as we get ready to talk about or partake in communion tonight, I want to talk to you a little bit more about communion this evening. And I'm kind of calling this the sacred sacrament as we talk about communion. Um, And if you have it, just hold on to it for a few minutes here. Uh, Communion is something that we partake in because the Bible teaches us and instructs us to do so. Uh, And, you know, there's been this kind of debate about whether communion is called a sacrament or an ordinance. Some uh, uh, traditions use different language and verbiage, and there's nothing wrong with either one. Uh, But I want to encourage you to look at communion in in a different light tonight. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, we talked about the church and the power of a Christian community. I, I kind of want to bring us back to that thought a little bit deeper tonight as we talk about this sacred sacrament. A communion is not something we do uh, just kind of lightly. It's, it's really a precious thing. It is, uh, as we're going to discover here this evening, it is really a point of connection and fellowship and uh, community for the body of Christ and believers, not just here locally, but all over the world. It's the one thing that pretty much every tradition or denomination does the same. We all partake of it. It's our, it's our point of connection. It's our point of fellowship. And so I want to show you just a little bit deeper here this evening as we talk about the sacred sacrament. You know, the Bible shows us this about communion, that communion is our past, present, and future hope. Communion is our past, present, and future hope. And I'm going to break that apart for, if you're, for you uh, in a few different ways here. Uh, it's amazing that Jesus would so come to the disciples and he would sit down at a table with them, uh, a table that he would gather around with people from different walks of life that he had walked with in their lives and in many different ways that they have been through in their own experience. And it amazes me that Jesus would even sit down with the, at the table with one he knew was going to betray him. And he would sit down at that same table with one that he knew was also going to deny him. And he would sit down at that same table with the ones that he knew were all eventually going to run away from him at the time of his arrest. He knew that. He knew that. But yet he sat down at the table with him anyways. I think it was about a year ago I preached a message called There's Room at the Table. And it's still a powerful reminder that there is room at the table for you and I. That if Jesus could find a place at the table for those 12 disciples, then there's room at the table for you and I even today. But I want to show you a little bit deeper that this isn't just uh, a cup of uh, juice and bread that we take partake of. It, there's a deeper significance and meaning. And I really want you to catch this tonight. As we talk about communion being our past, present, and future hope, uh, communion is our past hope. It's the hope of forgiveness, right? When, we, when Jesus told them as he sat down at the table, he says, this is my body, and this is the cup that is poured out for you in the new covenant. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we partake of communion, when we partake of this sacred sacrament, 
We do it in a sense that we are reminded of the forgiveness of Christ, right? We're reminded for the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us. We're reminded, and Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of me as a continual practice, right? It was every time they would gather together that they would do this in a, a continual practice as to not forget the power and the significance of what had happened into their lives, that Jesus had bought them with the price and his body was that price. So it's our hope of forgiveness. When we partake of communion today, this is a beautiful reminder to you and I, and even now that this isn't just some plastic cup. This is a reminder. You know what? I was once lost, astray. I was the most uttermost part in, in, in spiritually speaking, but yet God looked upon me in his love and his redemption and came to a cross on Calvary for you and I. It's a powerful reminder of our hope of forgiveness. Likewise, communion is also our present hope. It's our hope of community. You know, when we partake of communion, we do it in remembrance. We're doing it as we gather together in remembrance of Jesus. But what is amazing to me is that it's not just our hope of forgiveness. It's our hope of community. Why would Jesus tell the disciples that they would ought to gather together and do this in remembrance of me. Why would he tell them to get together as a group of people? Why wouldn't he just say, hey, hey, Peter, when you get home, go ahead, go ahead and make sure you make this a practice, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis to take communion by yourself. No, he told them to do it as a community, do this as he was sitting around the table. He invited them to come together and it is, it is the present hope of community. As we talked about the church a couple weeks ago, about the Christian community that God has called us to be, this is the same kind of picture that Jesus is painting when he invites us into communion. It's our hope of community. Philippians chapter two says it uh, this way that I want to read for you. It says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in this spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. What a powerful verse, being of full accord and one mind. You know, this word that is used here is a Greek word that's uh, called kononia. And kononia is a, a deeper word. Oftentimes it gets translated as fellowship. But fellowship is not an adequate word to describe koinonia. Fellowship is a surface kind of thing, right? We talk about having fellowship. We come together. We have a meal together. But it sometimes and oftentimes doesn't go any deeper than that. And when Jesus was using or when Paul was using this, he was describing something even deeper than that. A level of connection and community that was only reserved for the Christian community that only could be shared among the brothers and sisters in Christ. It was it was beyond the surface. It was deeper than that. It was what Acts chapter two talks about that. He, the Bible says that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching the fellowship and the breaking of bread. And they had all things in common and they, they distributed proceeds to all as any had need. We see this powerful example here. They were gathering together. They attended the temple. They broke bread in their homes and they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. What, what, the writer is describing here is a picture of koinonia. 
It's a deeper fellowship. It's not just something you get when you come in and you go out. It goes beyond that. It's something that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts by making us of one accord. And this was the same example as we saw just a few moments before what the scripture I read in Acts chapter two, the Bible says that when they gathered together in the upper room, they were in one mind and one accord. And it was because of their one mindness and it was because of their one accordness that the Holy Spirit was able to come upon them and empower them as the church. And we see this imagery of unity that is powerful, that yet there are all of these different people that they're gathered together. It's amazing that they were from all different languages or all different parts of the world. The Bible describes some said they were from Egypt. Some were from Asia. Some were from Cappadocia, all of these different places. And they all spoke different languages. But when the Holy Spirit came upon the church and filled them, the amazing thing is, is that they said, we hear him declaring the wonders of God in my language, in my, in my form of understanding. It's amazing here to hear how the message of God was unified, but yet they heard it in their own language. I think this paints a picture of how God desires his church to be, that the goal is not uniformity, but unity. The goal is not necessarily to be a homogenous group of people that all look the same, but it's all to be of one mind and one accord as Philippians chapter two painted for us that do nothing uh, from selfish ambition, but in humility, count others more significant than in yourselves. And as he expounded to them, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full of cord and one mind. You see, the beautiful thing about communion is, is that when we sit down and in this room together and online, you're going to partake of communion. The thing is, is that the person that gets all the attention and focus is not anybody in this place, only other than Jesus. So when we get in the same mind and same accord, our affection and our hope is pointed towards Jesus. It's the hope of forgiveness. It's the hope of community right now that Jesus is what brings us together and unifies us even so in this moment. In a few moments after we partake of communion, we're going to have some points of prayer. But this is important for us to remember is that the disciples were from so many different walks and backgrounds of life. There you see in Acts chapter two, the church was beginning to become this diverse, just blended church. You see here in Philippians chapter two, expounding upon them to be of one of mine and one accord. The point is, is that Jesus is calling us together. And the point that brings us together is none other than Jesus himself. He's the unifier of the church. He's the, he's the one that bonds us closer because if we're all running after the same goal, don't you think we're going to run into each other along the way, right? We're all pursuing the same end mind and, and, and goal. So communion is our past. It's our present and it's our future hope. It's our future hope. This has become one that I have really made personal for me lately is that when we to partake of communion, it's our hope of forgiveness, it's our hope of community, but it's also our hope of eternity. It's our hope of eternity. Jesus sat down at that table, as you see there in Luke chapter 22, as he sat down at that table with them, he said, I'm not going to drink of this, this fruit of the vine until I'm with you in the kingdom. Again, and the kingdom of God comes. It's amazing to think this thought, is that Jesus is waiting to sit at the table with you and I 
in the future. Now think about that for a minute. I had to reflect upon this for a few minutes because as I began to read this and study it, I had to remember, for this, this, this really shook me, is that there is a day coming, the Bible talks about in Revelation, there's going to be a great marriage supper of the Lamb and we're all going to gather. It's going to be uh, some kind of occasion that I could never even attempt to describe with words. But the amazing thing is, is Jesus looked at those disciples as he was sitting at that table with them. And he says, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In other words, it was a promise to them. I'm going to be waiting for you. And I'm going to do this again with you one day. This isn't the end. This isn't the last you'll see of me. What a hope for you and I today is that Jesus gives us the hope of when we partake of communion. I'm remembering that God forgave me. I'm remembering that I'm surrounded by a family of Christ, but I'm also remembering, no, I'm going to do this with Jesus one day. I'm going to sit at the table with him one day. And there in his love where Jesus describes or John describes, there won't be a tear present. There's not going to be any sorrow or mourning. There's going to be gladness and celebration for the church that once again, our, our remembering what Christ has done has brought us into community. And now as the forgiven community, we're going to be the eternal people of God. What a joy for us this evening. I want to invite you this evening as we partake of communion to remember that God forgave you. God forgave you. If you're a believer, God forgave you. God forgave you. Don't ever, don't ever take it for granted. God forgave you. I bet right now if I asked you to start going and making a list of everything that God has forgiven you of, you'd still be writing for a long time. You and I both. And never forget that that list that you begin to write is the, all the things that Jesus came and he bore on the cross for you and I. And this cup that we're taking is in remembrance. It's not in condemnation to remember and beat ourselves up, but it's to remember, oh, what a joy that God has forgiven me. You see, this is why I've called this the sacred sacrament, because it's more than just a habitual thing we do. It's like we talked about this past Sunday. If we do it only out of obedience, it loses its value. But if we do it in its sacredness and its obedience, it is all the more valuable. If we do it out of obedience to God's command, but remember what we're doing, not just because I give you a cup or a greeter gives you a cup or a usher gives you a cup, but because Jesus is forgiven you because we've been invited into community and because we have the hope of eternity, this becomes not just something I do out of obedience, but this becomes a sacred practice. This is something I can look forward to because I'm doing it with you. And I'm remembering, oh my goodness, I was so abandoned. I was so lost, but how God just forgave me. I want to invite you. Would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? I just, I just feel impressed by the Lord this evening. You're watching this evening. And you don't know the forgiveness of Jesus. You've, you're, you're coming in and you're wondering, what is going on in my life? You hear me talking about communion, but you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. It just doesn't make sense to you, but yet you know you're distant from God. You're in a place that you're not supposed to be. I want to tell you tonight, there's a God who loves you so much 
So much so, as I've been describing what he did for you and I, that he came and he bore his life for you and I, and he didn't stop there, but he went to a, a grave where he was buried for three days, but yet was resurrected to show that sin, that death is not the last thing for us, that we do have the hope of eternity. And I want to tell you today that God made a way for you to be forgiven. All of us, nobody in here is better than one another. We're all in this together. And I want to tell you today, the Bible just is so clear that if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. That means that thing that is really troublesome, he can forgive that too. And I want to invite you tonight, just right where you're at, with my brothers and sisters here, you need God to forgive you, to change your life. Listen, just call upon him. Tell him what you need. Don't depend upon me. I can't get you there. You can do it by calling upon the Lord. And so, Father, tonight, I just want to pray for my friends who are gathering right now in this moment as we're about to take this sacred covenant with you, this sacred ordinance with you.